Hello and welcome. You have found The Essentials, a podcast where we talk about life and faith and explore where we can celebrate good news and hope in the world. I'm James. I'm the pastor of the Glenwood Moravian Community Church here in Madison, Wisconsin. Thank you for joining this podcast. I'm back after a little bit of a break. I took some time off of recording over Christmas and into the new year and had some things at church that took a little bit of energy away from sitting down and recording each week, but I am glad to be back. We'll try to get these messages up each week and hopefully some additional episodes as well. So to get us back rolling again, I have our lessons and our message from Sunday, January 21st. We'll be using the message translation as we read our scripture passages. The first one came from Psalm 62, verses 5 through 12. God, the one and only, I'll wait as long as he says. Everything I hope for comes from him, so why not? He's solid rock under my feet, breathing room for my soul, an impregnable castle. I'm set for life. My help and glory are in God, granite strength and harbor-safe God. So trust him absolutely, people. Lay your lives on the line for him. God is a safe place to be. Man as such is smoke, women as such a mirage. Put them together, they're nothing, two times two. Nothing is nothing. And a windfall, if it comes, don't make too much of it. God said this once and for all. How many times have I heard it repeated? Strength comes straight from God. Love to you, Lord God. You pay a fair wage for a good day's work. And our gospel lesson came from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 14 through 20. After John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee, preaching the message of God. Time's up. God's kingdom is here. Change your life and believe the message. Passing along the beach of Lake Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew net fishing. Fishing was their regular work. Jesus said to them, Come with me. I'll make a new kind of fisherman out of you. I'll show you how to catch men and women instead of perch and bass. They didn't ask questions. They dropped their nets and followed. A dozen yards or so down the beach, he saw the brothers James and John, Zebedee's sons. They were in the boat mending their fish nets. Right off, he made the same offer. Immediately, they left their father Zebedee, the boat, and the hired hands, and followed. Here ends the reading of our word. Now, these four disciples in the beginning of Mark's gospel, they get a lot of credit for being bold, for their willingness to leave everything behind in an instant to follow Jesus. And it really does seem like an amazing thing to do. It's hard to imagine us being able to do the same, to leave our work, our life, to go wherever Jesus leads us. Well, today, this is one of those rare occurrences where I can confidently say I could do just what these disciples did, without a doubt. If my choices were to keep fishing or to follow Jesus, I would choose Jesus 
every time. I've mentioned before with our congregation that I'm not the most outdoorsy person. I enjoy the outdoors, but I'm not as skilled out there as others are. I grew up in a small town in Wisconsin, and I was the only one in my friend group who didn't go hunting every fall. My family didn't ride snowmobiles all winter. We didn't spend any time on jet skis or on canoes or on the water in general. I was very much alone in my group of friends when it came to spending time with those outdoor activities. But fishing was the only area that I had some experience, but to call it experience might be a stretch. I got my start at my aunt and uncle's house when I was really little. They lived right on the lake, so I would make my way to their dock with a net in one hand and a box of Cheerios in the other. I'd lay down on my stomach, drop in a few Cheerios, and then just wait for the bluegills to come swarming. When they finally made their move for a Cheerio, all I had to do was swoop in behind them with my net, and sometimes I could catch three or four at once. I spent many hours, wasted many boxes of good cereal, with that bluegill catch and release program. But that extensive training and experience was enough to get me invited to join some family friends as they went on their annual fishing trip to Canada at the start of every summer. So the Cheerios had to stay at home. This was the big leagues for fishing. It was a 10-hour drive up to this sort of campground that we stayed at. There was no cell phone reception, no running water, no power. It was early in June up in Canada, so it didn't really feel like summer yet. We would go out in the morning as the sun was coming up. We'd be decked out in our snow pants and our winter coats. We ate lunch with whatever we caught that morning, and then we'd fish all afternoon. It was relaxing, it was therapeutic, and there was the occasional bit of excitement if a fish was on the line, if your friend managed to cast his lure right through his dad's earlobe. So there was some fun, and if I was lucky enough to get a bite and reel a fish in, I was noticing that I always angled the fish towards someone else in the boat, because I didn't want to be the one to get it off the hook. Me fish are slimy, they're gross, they smell bad. And it was after a couple of days of first trying not to freeze and then actively trying not to actually touch a fish that I realized maybe fishing just wasn't my thing. It was good to be together, but we went through all that effort to sit in a boat when we lived just two miles away back at home. So eventually, I started working when summer began, and I couldn't go on this trip to Canada, which you can tell was such a disappointment. And I don't know if I have touched a live fish since then. So when Jesus says, drop your nets, follow me, and then I think back to my experience fishing, I'm positive that I could have answered his call very gladly at that. 
But for these men, it's more than just a hobby. This is the way they make their living. And even more than just a job that they're leaving behind, it's their families, it's their entire way of life. So they aren't merely saying goodbye to a box of Cheerios and a net. They're changing everything they know about themselves. Well, almost. I think knowing that this path is going to be so incredible that he's leading them on, Jesus offers it in a way that would still be appealing for them to hear. He's going to ask them to change everything, but their skills as fishermen will still come in handy. He says he will make them fish for people. So even in this new life, this new adventure, what they're good at, what they know best, will serve them well. They can take that skill and put its work as they take this leap of faith. It's that phrase, fish for people, that has become quite popular in Christianity since these disciples left their boats and nets behind. But I have to tell you, how we use that phrase today might be one of the biggest misunderstandings we have when it comes to applying scripture to our own lives. Because today, fishing for people is very commonly associated with evangelism or converting people to Christianity. If you do a quick Google search on the term, the results will take you to person-to-person -to -person evangelism tools, discussions on how to save souls with the good news, lessons on preaching salvation to those who don't have faith. It's as if fishing for people is primarily about helping Christianity grow in numbers. And I don't want to say that's not valuable or important work. But when Jesus tells these four men that from now on they are going to fish for people, he's not talking about converting others to his faith. Jesus uses that phrase, fishing for people, as a direct reference to words written in Jeremiah 16. And in those verses, God is speaking about restoring Israel to a place of hope by removing wicked people from power. There are rulers leading unjustly, taking advantage of the weak with immoral and corrupt ways. And it's here that God says, I will send for many fishermen, and they will catch them. These fishermen sent by God will catch or hook and remove these people from power. In the book of Amos and in Ezekiel as well, there you find the same imagery used as God is sending judgment upon the rich and the powerful who are abusing the positions and the authority they hold. So fishing for people isn't about winning or saving souls. It's not about converting more people to Christianity. Jesus invites these disciples to join him in his struggle to overturn the existing system of injustice in their world. 
That's what they'll do as they walk with him. They live in a way that threatens the established order. They challenge the accepted notion of who belongs and who is worthy in their society. And they do preach good news of eternal life. But they also promise that the power of God is stronger than the powers of their world. And God's power rests in hope, inclusion, and love that's offered beyond our comprehension. And they fished for people. They removed the sense of power from those corrupt rulers by giving dignity and worth to the people who were so often trampled upon. And that path, when we really think about it, is a lot harder to drop everything and follow. This path that stands up to people in authority. Because it's one thing to preach the gospel, to save souls with our words and promise good news. It's another thing entirely to do the ministry that chips away at the influence of those in control. We should remember that Jesus doesn't accomplish this task by confronting the rulers and those in power. He doesn't walk into their office and lay out all of the harm that they've done. They felt the most challenged by Jesus when he healed or embraced the people that they discredited or discarded. They felt threatened when the people that they were walking all over started seeing their worth and their collective potential for action. So friends, when we see injustice in our world, and when we want to fish for people, hook and remove those corrupt leaders of our day, those who've racked up so much wealth and influence by taking advantage of others, our path to doing so our path in following Jesus takes us to the people who are being abused. Our mission together is in all of the ways we can restore and uplift those who have nothing and who feel like they don't belong. And the hope that we have that we can produce positive change on a large scale is found by living in a way that says those in power can't tell us who to serve, who to love, or who is worthy. When Jesus invited his followers to help him fish for people, to help him overthrow the sense of authority in their world, he did so by embracing the people who had no authority at all. And our ministry is the same. To be there for the least of these, to establish justice, and to say to those in power that they don't have power over us unless they are leading in a way that truly offers love to all. Amen. Well, thank you for checking out this week's episode. It's good to be back together with you all. If you'd like to learn more about the church that I serve, it's the Glenwood Moravian Community Church. You're welcome to check out our website, 
You can worship with us on YouTube or stay up to date with current events on Facebook. And if you want to learn more about the Moravian Church, you can go to moravian.org. So take care, be well. I'll catch you next time.